Um, for the last four weeks, we've been talking outward. We've been talking about the people um, on the earth who don't know the Lord or need help, the vulnerable. And um, just want to thank again the Mission Council just for their, um, just all that they've built and presented to us last week. That's been years of them pioneering and thinking these things through and praying about it and coming alongside our missionaries and building paths. And it's extraordinary the work they've done. And so I just thank you, Mission Council, um, once again for what you've done on behalf of all of us. Um, but when I think about, when we think about other countries, people in other countries, people in Puerto Rico, the vulnerable, people who are in foster care, what we're talking about is real people, real people's lives. Maybe people like you. We're talking about real people all over the world who don't yet know a living hope. They're putting their hope in their own knowledge, which is coming to nothing. They're putting their hope in the philosophy of this age, which is coming to nothing. They're putting their hope in idols that can't talk, they can't speak. They, they don't know a living hope, Jesus, right? And maybe we can't go to the ends of the earth. We can help people get there. We may not know vulnerable people, but we can help serve them and empty our garages to serve them. But we do know people. We know real-life people in our lives, right? Maybe it's the moms at school with your kids. Maybe it's the person checking you out at CVS. But we know people, right? And we are witnesses of Jesus. Each one of us is probably in this room today because we've had an encounter with Jesus, right? You know what we are really good at as people is telling people the good things we've found. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone where they're adamantly telling you why this is the best water bottle to buy? <laughs> or why this is the best salad dressing at Trader Joe's, without a doubt, hands down the best? You know? Any good things we find, we want people to know. Is that why influencers are popular? Guys, I just stepped on here to tell you this shirt is made of, and it's incredible, right? <laughs> we tell people the good things we found all the time. We can't help it. We can't help it. Can we tell the people in our lives who Jesus is, what he's done for us? Can we tell them the truth about who God is and what he's done? Um, Paul talks about this, and it's so fun. Do you want to hear it? He's talking to the Corinthians. He's saying, so because we stand in awe of the one true Lord, we make it our aim to convince all people of the truth of the good news of Jesus, the gospel. You see, the controlling force in our lives is the love of the anointed one. It's Jesus. And our confession is this. One died for all, therefore all have died. He died for us so that we will all live, not for ourselves, but for him who died and rose from the dead. Because of all that God has done, we now have a new perspective. 
we used to show regard for people based on worldly standards and interests no longer. We used to think of Jesus in that same way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is united with Jesus, that person is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. New life has begun. All of this is a gift from our creator God who has pursued us and brought us into a restored and healthy relationship with him through Jesus. And he has given us the same mission, the ministry of reconciliation. Can you say ministry of reconciliation? For the accountants, it's a fun ministry also. But it's a ministry we all have. He has given us this same mission, the ministry of reconciliation, to bring others back to God. It is central to our good news that God was in Jesus making things right between himself and the world. This means he does not hold our sins against us, but it also means he charges us to proclaim the message that heals and restores our broken relationship with God and with each other. Did anyone here have a message? Were you healed or restored in a broken relationship with God or other people as a result of Jesus? We have the message to proclaim. He charges us to proclaim the message that heals and restores our broken relationships with God and with each other. And so now we are representatives. We are ambassadors of Jesus, the liberating king. God's given us a charge to carry through our lives, urging all people on behalf of God to be reconciled to him. He orchestrated this. He did it all. We didn't set it up. He just came and met us. He orchestrated all this. Jesus, who never experiences sin, became sin for us so that we might be the very righteousness of God. Paul is saying we can't stop sharing the good news of who Jesus is. We are compelled to urge others because of all that God has done, because of the gift he gave us, we are compelled to tell other people the truth of what we've experienced of Jesus. All of you have experienced him, and all of you have something to tell others. You're witnesses of it. What is a witness? Someone who's experienced an event and shows evidence that that's what happened, right? Each one of you are witnesses to real people. Um, The thing we have to share is our testimonies, right? And our testimonies are really useful for us because they encourage us. They remind us. Why? You, you know when people share about their engagement stories, everyone wants them to keep, so how did you guys meet? What happened? What was your wedding like? People love sharing how they met love, right? They love sharing about those stories. Those are the stories we have when we encounter Jesus, when we encounter the Holy Spirit and what he did for us. So our testimonies remind us of who God is, what he's done to a real person, not some far-off story. Peter says, hey, when we told you about Jesus, we weren't saying cleverly devised stories when we told you about his majesty, but we were eyewitnesses. 
right? We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. You are eyewitnesses. So it reminds us of who Jesus is, what he's done, brings us back into reality. It builds our faith and the faith of those around us to hear, oh, Jesus is still moving. Oh, Jesus can dominate even that. Jesus can heal us of even that. I didn't have faith for that, but you're testifying that happened, right? We can gain confidence in what we know to be true. And, uh, you know, it says in Revelations that we are, we overcome our enemy, the one accusing us by the blood of Jesus, what he's done, and by the word of our testimonies, that we testify Jesus is who he says he is. So today, I want to invite you to hear some testimonies so that we can be encouraged today as his people, and we can know the people we're, we're wanting to tell the gospel to are real people. They're people you know, and they're people sitting among us that the Lord has changed their lives. Is that all right? I want to invite Catherine Zoller up. Catherine is dealing today with some heart, some AFib in her heart, um, rapid heart rate right now. Can we pray for her? She is determined to share this morning, and, um, but she's going through it inside of her. Can we pray for her? Lord, deliver Catherine. Heart, stop racing in Jesus' name. Jesus, you are Lord over her heart and the one who created her whole body. Would you bless her now and would she not be hindered from declaring who you are and what you've done in her life? Please restore her and bless her. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank Thank you. So I never met a microphone I didn't like, so I was determined to come. If I have to go to the ER after I'm done, then so be it. But what better place to stroke out than in church, right? So I met with Guile about a week ago, and I, I was telling, after doing the orphan, set your timer, Anna. So after doing the, you know, orphan and witnessing to people, I, I shared my testimony, and I, I asked, I gave, had a bold ask, I asked him if I could have the whole service, and Anna texted me and told me I had 10 minutes. So I'm going to try to condense 64 years and a 45-minute story into, into 10 minutes. And, and I was a very, very difficult child. I didn't try to be difficult. I didn't want to be difficult. But I was ADHD off the charts. But before they gave it letters, it used to just be called Catherine Needs a Spanking. And so school was a nightmare. From kindergarten on, school was an absolute nightmare. I was always in trouble at home. My older brother, who we still call Golden Boy, was golden. And so he did everything well and right, and it seemed like I could never even jump up nearly as as high as he did. We went to a parochial school. I always had the teacher that he had just had the year before, and every year I would hear, hear some version of, are you sure you're Kevin's sister? Because I was just a train wreck. And so my parents sent me to a psychiatrist when I was nine, and that planted a lie that I was already believing. And those two lies were, there's something wrong with me, and because there's something wrong with me, it's not okay to be me. And I lived those lies for longer than I care to admit. By the time I became a teenager, this ball of fury that had been building since birth probably came raging to the fore, and I found drugs! 
Oh my gosh, my brain loved drugs. I was self-medicating with just about everything that came down the pike. And because I was doing drugs, I wasn't going to school. And because I wasn't going to school, my parents would ground me. And then my parents would ground me and I'd run away. And this became a pattern. And when I turned 15, my parents severed their parental rights, made me a ward of the state, and put me in a home for juvenile delinquents in downtown Oklahoma City. And I will tell yeah, nothing like your parents divorcing you, right? Um, but here's the thing. I didn't become a better person. I became a better juvenile delinquent. And so I met other kids who liked to do drugs, who didn't like school, and knew how to steal cars. What fun! And so every day we would pretend to go to school and we would steal cars. And one day in Mustang, Oklahoma, long story, we stole a government vehicle. Turns out the government doesn't like you stealing their stuff, which if you ask me is a little ironic. But we'll just let that slide right on by. Hey, don't waste my time. I've only got 10 minutes. Um, and so the next day, the FBI showed up at the Sunbeam home, handcuffed us and leg cuffed us, and took us to the Mustang County Jail. About a week later, my mother reluctantly came and paid the bail. I got out. I went back to the Sunbeam home. And then I had this great idea that I should hitchhike to Florida and pick fruit with the migrant workers because that's what white upper middle class girls do, right? I told you I was drug addled. And so I started hitchhiking towards Florida. I got as far as Monroe, Louisiana. I got picked up by a preacher who asked me if I was a Christian. I said, yes, I'm an American. <laughs> True story. True story. He bought me a Dairy Queen hamburger. And while I was eating that hamburger, he shared the scriptures with me. And I'm telling you, something in my spirit stirred. And I heard all the Bible stories, people. I heard all the Bible stories, but I never heard the gospel. So when this man shared to me, it wasn't hard to convince me I was a sinner. Okay, that was an easy sell. But telling me there was a solution electrified me. I went, he dropped me off at the highway. I stuck out my thumb. I prayed my very first prayer where I wasn't furious with God. I said, if you're like that man says you are, I hope I get caught tonight. And ladies and gentlemen, I got caught in spectacular fashion. I got thrown into the juvenile detention center in Monroe, Louisiana. I was extremely hostile and belligerent. If you know me now, I hope you find that hard to believe. Um... <laughs> I wouldn't cooperate in any way, and so they wouldn't let me out of my cell. And so for a week or 10 days, I don't remember now, I was locked in that cell 23 hours a day, and there was nothing in there but a Bible. And I'm telling you, folks, this is the living, breathing Word of God. And it wouldn't have mattered if I was reading in Leviticus. I got down on that cold tile floor. I didn't even know what the word repentance was. I just knew I was desperate and Jesus had the answer. I got down on that cold tile floor. I cried out to him. I begged him to come into my life and make something of this mess I'd made in 15 short years. And God showed up and I got born again that night. And then, and then the Lord spoke to me for the very first time and he said, tell them your name. I thought that is brilliant. So I told him my name. I got back to Oklahoma City the night before I was due in court. I was due in court. I had eight, six counts of grand theft auto, multiple truancy charges, multiple drug charges, and an infamous arson charge because I lit a little fire in the Mustang County Jail. But you would have to because it was cold in there. <laughs> and so the judge gave me an eight-year prison sentence pending a six-month probation. I had six months to be good. And I knew I couldn't do it. An aunt and uncle flew in unannounced 
from Wilmington, Delaware, and asked my parents to let me go live with them. My mother said, absolutely not. She's where she belongs, and she's getting what she deserves. But they'd severed their parental rights, so they had no say-so. And my, isn't this awesome? Is God awesome? My grandfather was a lawyer. He went to the juvenile judge and said, let her go. So I did. I flew to Wilmington, Delaware. Six months later, all the charges against me were dropped. And here's the hard part for people to hear, but it's part of the story. The entire time I lived with them, my uncle molested me. And here's the thing. Here's the beautiful thing. The whole family eventually became born again as a result of me living in their house. Because I couldn't drive, and I wanted to go to church. So my aunt would take me to church, and then she got saved. It's a, it's a, I'm telling you, God's redemptive power is unbelievable. How am I doing? Okay, so, two minutes? Really? That's all? Oh, crap. Oh, I just said a non-church word. I'm so sorry. So, I, I eventually... I went to youth with a mission. I loved it. I wanted to be a missionary, marry a missionary, have little missionary babies. Um, I was going to go to the Slavic countries because I couldn't imagine that it was illegal for people to do what we're doing here. Um, I eventually got mad at God. My dad said, if you're ever going to come to go to college, um, you're running out of time. It was a colossal waste of my time and his money. But that's where I met my husband. And then I got pregnant. And when I got pregnant, I knew I wasn't going to be a missionary, marry a missionary, or have little missionary babies. And I was devastated. I just knew there had to be a plan B or a plan C, that I'd blown it. My mother-in-law invited me to a Bible study. I went. I hated it, but I kept going because I didn't know how to tell her no. And at the end of class one year, we were studying the book of Genesis. I put the entire book of Genesis to rhyme. I read it to them on share day. One woman said to me, Catherine, have you ever thought about making that into a children's book? I said, I hadn't thought of any of it till 3 o'clock this morning. But that's what got this entire series started. And the, I had a publisher, called, my publisher at the time, called me one day after the first two books were out. And he said, I've got a Spanish publisher that wants to translate your books into Spanish and Portuguese. So finally, we had this long talk about it. And I, so we, I said, okay. So we, I hung up the phone. I ran into the living room. And I'm having a hallelujah shout down. I mean, I am bumping into the ceiling fan and just getting charismatic on God. I'm going nuts. Because now I know that these books might go all the way around the world. And the Lord spoke to me again. And he said, Catherine, you are a missionary. You are a missionary. And God redeemed the call that I thought I'd blown. And here's what I want to challenge you with today. Because we all have regrets. We all have mistakes we've made. We all have dreams that haven't come true. But what I want you to do is I want you to think about what it is that you need God to redeem. And you take that burden. You take it. You take it. You lift it up to the God who says it's not once but twice that he's named all the stars. And you let him take his tweezers and pick that thing up and redeem it. just worship the Lord. That's our claps, right? What is he able to do? He will not be limited. Whatever we think is a limitation, it's not for him. Thank you, Catherine, for sharing, even in your distressed state. Amen. I have another, we have another story for you. It's a story of how Jet Stubbs came to know the Lord. (laughs) 
Catherine said, I'll make everyone laugh, but Jet will make everyone cry. Just so you know. I don't know about that. Jet's one of our beloved elders, but it's going to be emotionally taxing for him to tell this story. So, Lord, would you just bless Jet, would your hand, your hand is upon him and has been his whole life. And we just thank you for what you've given to this man, and we all reap the benefits of it. And would you bless him now as he testifies and witnesses what you've done. So how many of you know Red Skelton? I feel like I'm at a comedy thing, and i got to follow Red Skelton. <laughs> so anyway, I'm going to go ahead and get the tissues. Seriously, I'm a crier. Uh, If you know me, you know I'm a crier. But fortunately, 17 years ago, or after 17 years of marriage, I'm sorry, Dana and I had some severe marriage problems. I was saved at the time. This is kind of a prequel or after salvation. But I went to this, we went to this couple up in Kansas, and they told me that I had a mercy gift. And then she explained this mercy gift to me, that I have an internal antenna, that I feel people's emotions. And the problem with that is, is I can look on your face and start crying because I know you're going through stuff. And I'm telling you, that's really, really hard as a, as a man, because I used to get spankings as a kid for crying, you know? So you try to suppress that, and you try to suppress it, and you try to suppress it. And finally, after hearing about the mercy gift, and that I'm just a crier. It's just the way life is for me. Um, and it's who I am. So I don't, I don't apologize for that anymore. Uh, I still do sometimes, because I can't talk without crying sometimes and tell a story without crying. But the bottom line to this whole thing is, is I will cry today because... I I know where I came from. Just like Catherine, I my dad was a an abusive alcoholic, so I used to get beat for any anything. So growing up in that, never went you know, we, we went to church on Easter. My dad never went, my mom took us on Easter I think two or three times. So hearing the gospel, I never heard it. The thing about it was, is we got older. (laughs) I lived in Missouri. I left home when I was 16 years old. I moved out on my own. And uh, my dad came and asked me, my stepmom did, and asked me if I would come home for my graduation from high school. So I did. So I went home. And they lived in an apartment complex. There was another apartment complex next door. And this cute little blonde girl lived in that next one. So I met the cute little blonde girl, and we ended up getting married. Um, We fell in love. We met in May, maybe late April, and uh, we got married in October. And I was 17, she was 16. So Dana hates for me to tell that story. (laughs) But we wanted to get married. They said no. So a friend of mine got his wife pregnant. So we got pregnant so we could get married. 
So anyway, we weren't Christians at the time, so we went through that. And I had an anger problem like my father did. And I was an alcoholic by the time I was 15. So as life went on, it was not good. So fast forward through a bunch of years, not a bunch, four. I was 21. I was working for the city of Springfield, Missouri at their power plant. I was one of their maintenance men. Uh, worked on the equipment and those kind of things that was at the power plant. So what happened is there was a gentleman there. Dana said, just tell the story. <laughs> this morning when I told her, you know I'm going to cry. She says, just tell the story. It's like, okay. So I can't ever think, and even when I thought of the man's name this morning to tell y'all, his name was Ed Puckett. He was in his 40s. I was 21. And I was the guy, I was not afraid of heights. So I was the guy at the power plant that they would send out on a beam at 200 feet in the air and say, hey, walk out there and get this thing right over here, fix that piece of equipment. Okay, no problem. So I was working with Ed off and on. And so I asked Ed one day, I'll never forget this. This is how Ed was. As I said, Ed, does this bother you? He goes, well, if I fall, I know where I'm going. That's all he said. What do you mean by that, Ed? You know where you're going. You're going down. (laughs) You know, that's the way it was. You know, you're 200 feet in the air, you're going to fall, you're going down. He says, no, you don't understand. I know Jesus, and if I do die, then I know I'll go to heaven, and I'll be with Jesus. It's like, well, that's an interesting concept. Never heard that before. But Ed kept dropping me those one-liners. So one night, in my anger fit, my bride said, I'm not going to live like this, and tomorrow I'm going to go file for a divorce. You have to understand, I'm crazy in love with that woman. I really am. As I told you before, next month, October 6th, we'll be married 49 years. So, anyway. So, she went to bed. It's like, I'm sitting on the couch. And I'm crying. And I'm going, okay. What do I do? How, how do I keep her? What, what in the world's going on? How do I keep this woman that I absolutely adore? It's like, and then the thought hit me, Ed Puckett. So I said, Jesus, Ed Puckett says you're real. I don't know that. But if you're real, would you come in? And change my life. Because I don't want to lose my wife. Now. I did not have a drastic thing happen. I felt a little funny. It's like okay. I actually went and woke Dana up. And I said. I just prayed. And she goes okay. She turned over and went back to sleep. <laughs> so. Obviously it was not a big deal. But it was a big deal. So I got up the next morning, I went to work. Now, mind you, I had a foul mouth. 
a very foul mouth. And the next day at work, we do our thing. I tell Ed Puckett what I had done. He said, get a Bible, start reading. I said, okay. Where did I buy a Bible at? I don't know anything about this. So I, I leave. I get my lunchbox. I walk out the door. There's three guys standing outside the door. Come here. I'm going to talk to you, man. Okay. What happened to you last night? I said, I went home, went to bed. Got up and came to work this morning. No, something happened to you last night. So I thought, to, I said, well, you know, I said, Dana and I got in a fight. And she told me she was going to divorce me. And I, 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 I said, Jesus, if you're real, come in and do something about it. And they said, okay. These three guys were Christians. And they said, Jet, we couldn't stand being around you because you cuss so foully all the time. Every other word out of your mouth is F this and F that. And we just couldn't stand being around you. But you're a nice guy. Do you realize today you have not said one cuss word all day long? I said I had no idea. No idea. So without even knowing what had transformed in my heart and what has transpired in my heart, Jesus already started taking that and being it a witness to other people without me ever even knowing it. Okay? So we've been talking about this stuff, and I'm just going to, I don't even know how long I've been up here. It might have been too long. Have it been too long? Anyway, bottom line is this. Live your life. Live your life and let the love of God flow out of you. He did a service the other week. It was about the Trinity. The most important fact I found out of that service was I've always known that I was created in the image of God. But guess what? We are the image of God. We walk with Him, we talk with Him. He runs through us to other people, and we represent him to other people. So it's important as we walk this life out that we take on the full knowing responsibility of that we are his image, and we represent him. And how we represent him is vital to the world. Thank you, Jet, for sharing what the Lord did in you. Thank you, Catherine, for sharing. You really blessed us. He really is who he says he is. Right? We've heard the testimonies. It's not because we know cleverly devised stories, but we are, they were eyewitnesses of what the Lord did in their life. Right? You may not have a story quite like that of how you met Jesus, but are you Ed Puckett? Are you a coworker to someone somewhere? And you have 15 seconds to share who God is and why you're not afraid to die? Both those stories, Catherine was with 
this preacher for one meal. They shared a burger together. He told her the gospel. He never saw her again. He doesn't know the outcome of her life and what the gospel meant to her that day, right? He had one meal with her and showed her who God was and the truth about it. Ed Puckett just said a casual comment that he wasn't afraid to die because he knew where he was going. Changed the course of a whole family and all of us. I wonder if in these days, we, we've got to practice what our testimonies are. You know, both of them have shared that, their testimonies many times. Even Catherine distilled down four six years into 10 minutes. But it might not be so quick on our tongues, you know? We might have a moment with people in a busy world, and what would we say to them? And so I, I just want to teach us a quick tool so that we can be prepared as we live our days to be able to tell the people around us the truth about who God is. Is that okay? Are you invigorated to tell people the truth? Listen to how this woman told the truth to the people in her whole town, right? The woman at the well. Jesus says to her, hey, go get your husband and come back. And she says, oh, I don't have a husband. He says, you're right when you say that. In fact, you have five, and the person you're with right now isn't your husband. Um... And she said, I see that you're a prophet. And he ends up telling her, <laughs> he has a word of knowledge for her, but he ends up telling her, if you believe in me, you'll never thirst again. I'm the way of eternal life, right? And so this is what she did immediately following that. Many t- Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. That was her testimony. That one sentence was her testimony. She ran into her village and said, come see the man who told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear the message and believe. And then they said to the woman, now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. Right? Her testimony was, Come see the man who told me everything I ever did. That was all she had to say, right? So is it okay if I teach you a tool? You might already know this. You might know how to share your testimony for 15 minutes, but maybe not 15 seconds. Is that all right? So in this, we'll just start. This will be really simple. And this is just so we have it in our tool belt. We have it to live our lives out. So we'll start with, there was a time in my life. So here's my 15-second testimony. There was a time in my life when I was harsh and mean. I began to read the scriptures where Jesus talked about his love and his ways, and I asked him for help. Now I'm known for being kind, smiley, and soft-hearted. Do you have a story like that? 15 seconds, right? It unpacks a lot of what happened in my life. Now, that wasn't my origin story. That's what happened to me along the way. And that might be the case for you, too. Here's another one. There was a time in my life when I had a raging fever and couldn't sleep. My father laid his hands on me and prayed for the fever to go in Jesus' name. And immediately, my head was cold and I was asleep. Do you have a story like that? 
So it might not be your origin story like Catherine and Jet, but it might be something else that happened in your life of why you're still here, why you still believe Jesus is the Son of God, right? So let's practice together by thinking of two words that could be your life before Jesus. There was a time in my life when I said I was mean and harsh, Let's just pause for a moment. Can you think of just two words, just one quick story about your life or your origin story? What it was like for you? Just two words. You got them? Okay, turn to the person next to you and say, There was a time in my life when I was harsh and mean, or whatever your words are. There was a time in my life when I was harsh and mean. So like my two examples weren't my origin story, right? One was a healing that happened in my life, and one was later after I believed the Lord. I was reading his scriptures, and he began to change me, right? So if you feel uncomfortable because you don't have an origin story like that, you believed because your family believed, and they told you the truth about who God was, you have a story to share, right? So everyone good on that? Just turn and say, there was a time in my life. All right. Now, there was a t- something happened. You encountered Jesus, right? But how did you encounter him? What are two things that happened? Mine was, I read about Jesus' love and ways, and I asked for his help. What, were, what happened to you? You were one way. Jesus came onto the scene. The other story, my dad laid hands on me. That was that part. So are there two things that you can pull out from your story of what Jesus did for you? Think for a moment. You got it? There was a time in my life when I was mean and harsh I read God, I read about Jesus' love and ways. I asked him for help. Can you turn to the person next to you and share up until that part of your story? It's just for practice. You don't have to be perfect. You're just doing it the first time. If you've already done it, do it again, because practice is really helpful. You got it? So what, what would Jet have said 
in these based on Jet's story. There was a time in my life when I was on the heels of a divorce and I was angry alcoholic. I said, if you're real, come into my life and help me. Right? That's what he would have said in that story. All right. Now, then what happened? What are two things that happen as a result of encountering Jesus? Can you think for a moment? In your story? In mine, I had a fever. My dad laid hands on me, and I was healed and went to sleep. So in those blanks, I would say healed, asleep. What would you say? For my story, I said, there was a time in my life when I was mean and harsh. I read the scriptures, heard about how Jesus weighs in his love. I asked him for help to love other people. And now I'm known for being kind and soft-hearted. All right, turn to the person next to you and add in those things that happened to you. So just two words are being added. You got it? Okay, now we'll add the next part. Do you have a story like that? We found it effective to ask someone else that question, right? The, the pastor in the car with Catherine, he said, are you a Christian? And sometimes when I encounter people, I might share my 15-second testimony and then say, do you have a story like that? And they'd say, no. i say, do you want to hear how that happened for me? And they say, yeah. And then I get to tell them the gospel in a simple way. Right? So let's repeat it all together. There was a time in my life when... I was, I was harsh and mean. What happened with Jesus? I read his scriptures. He forgave me. I said, now I'm kind and soft-hearted. I'm known for being those things. He delivered me. Do you have a story like that? I didn't hear you say, do you have a story like that? <laughs> All together. It's awesome. Well, here's your assignment as we close today. As we gather tonight at the picnic, 5 p.m. at La Fortune, could we go up to each other and say, would you tell me your 15-second testimony? I'll tell you mine. What? No. <laughs> We got to do this. This is life and death for people. And it's people we know. We have a story to share. 
And it might be 15 seconds that we get with someone, or it might be hours and hours at a family dinner, but most likely it's a short amount of time to testify who Jesus is and what he's done. And we all, we all can testify that he is the one true God and that Jesus is our Savior, right? Let's just pray now that the Lord would give us boldness. You know, the disciples who were with him, they saw miracles happen. They ran back to the church, told them what happened, and began to pray for boldness. They had just been so bold. They had just witnessed with their own eyes this guy get healed. Yet they still asked for boldness. Paul continually asked the churches, would you pray for me that I can proclaim Jesus fearlessly as I should? We all are skilled in telling people the good things we found, the great water bottles we have, the great Trader Joe's in our town. We all want to tell people good news. So could we ask the Lord to fill us with boldness to tell the good news of the truth of who he is to the people around us? Is that okay? Let's just agree together. Lord, we know that you alone are the way that leads to eternal life. Would you fill us all, everyone here, with boldness to declare who you are and what you've done? There's so many people in this world who are confused and they think they're the authority of their life and they're confused and anxious and hurting, but you can deliver them. We've heard testimony of Catherine and Jet, just those testimonies alone, and we know that you are able to bring us out of addictions and a way that leads to death and bring us into life. You've done it for us. Would you pour out your boldness and your power upon us that we can testify and bear witness that you are the Son of God. Please help us, Lord. Would you encourage our hearts today from these testimonies, even from remembering our very own, what you've done for us. We need your help, and the people around us need your help, and we must have you. We must have you to witness. Please help us. In Jesus' name, amen. See you tonight at 5 at La Fortune with your side or dessert, all right?